0: Have your Bible today. We're going to be looking at a passage of Scripture that, uh, that that you might have heard before, maybe, but it's probably not a place where you spend a whole lot of time if you uh, read your Bible. It's Leviticus chapter twenty-seven, verse number thirty. And so, we're going to spend a, a little bit of time there today. So, we're going to look in verses thirty through thirty-four today. Uh, in his book. Uh, called Run with Horses. Eugene Peterson wrote a story. I told a story about whenever he saw some some birds, some swallows sitting on the end of a branch. They were little chicks, and the mother was trying to teach them how to fly. And so the way that she did that is since she came over and she just walked over to the first little swallow that was on the end of the branch, and she just nudged it and knocked it over. And the bird, you know, just sort of fell, and as he's flying or falling, he begins to flap his wings, you know, frantically, and before long, he's able to start flying, and, and he survives, and then the second one, she does the same thing to the second one, and so, you know, it's like, if you have kids, it's like your first child's the achiever, you know, second one is, you know, peacemaker, third one, a little bit different, so she comes to the third swallow, and she tries to knock him off, and he's like, I'm not going anywhere, And so that bird's just hanging on there, gripping the branch as tight as it can. And and she keeps on pecking at the bird, trying to, you know, like mothers do. And so she's trying to knock him off that branch. And finally, he falls, except for he hangs on, and he's swinging upside down. And he's just hanging by his talons. And so the mother, she's determined. And so she begins to peck at his talons until finally he just can't hang on anymore. and, uh, And it seems really cruel. But the thing is, the mother knew something that that little bird didn't know she knew the bird could fly and as soon as he let go he begins to fall and he begins to flap his wings and sure enough he's able to survive and and he makes it well here's here's what I I think is interesting God has made birds for the purpose of flying now we all know that but if you've never flown before that can be a little bit scary Uh, Peterson said birds have feet and can walk birds have talents and can grasp a branch securely They can walk, they can cling, but what do you think is their defining characteristic? Birds can fly. And so he translated that over from birds flying to people. So what is the major characteristic of a person? And he said, here's what he said, he said, giving is what people do best. He said, it is the air into which we were born. It is the action that was designed into us before our birth, and some people try desperately to hold on to themselves, living for self. They look so bedraggled and pathetic in doing so, they hang on to the dead branch of selfishness and self-centeredness, afraid to risk themselves. Yet many people don't think they can live generously because they have never tried. Now today we're, we're starting a new series of messages called Unshakable: The Call to be Generous. And there might be some of you here today saying, oh great, here we go again. It's a preacher talking about being generous again. And you are absolutely right. That's what I'm doing today. And so Jesus himself said in Acts 20, 35, he said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. Now, that sounds good, doesn't it? But here's the question. Is that true? I mean, is that, is that something that is accurate? Well, that's why we're looking in Luke 27, or Leviticus 27 today. Uh, Because what we're going to see in Leviticus 27 is that people have been called to give an expression of how they love God through their giving. And once we get into verse number 30, we're going to see that God has called his followers to be generous. Now, now what does that mean? Well, our text is going to show us what's involved in being generous for a believer. And so that's why we're looking in Leviticus 27, we're going to look in verses 30 through 34... And like I said, I, I don't know how many of you, you know, if you're, if you're in your house, you're like, you know what, I really need to read scripture today. I don't know how many of you picked the book of Leviticus to just sort of, you know, just sort of you know, kind of read through. Uh, because it can seem, if you've ever read Leviticus, it's, it can be kind of tough. You know, it can seem kind of dry. But what it is, the book of Leviticus was a how to manual for the priesthood. It's about how to, how to conduct themselves, how to worship God, how to lead people. In worship, and during this time when Leviticus was written, they did not have a temple; uh, they had a tabernacle, and they moved around. And so, to be able to survive, in order to be able to fund the work of the of the tabernacle, the people were called to be generous. And so, I just want to be real. I'm going to be I'm going to be as direct as I can with with grace, but I want to explain to you what it means to be generous. And there's just a few things I think it's really important for us to understand about giving. When we talk about giving, first of all, giving involves, this is where you're going to get a little bit nervous, it involves an amount. What's that all about? Well, okay, now look with me in verse number 30. It says, every tenth of the land's produce, grain from the soil or fruit from the trees, belongs to the Lord. It is holy to the Lord. And if a man decides to redeem any part of this tenth, he must add one-fifth to its value." Alright, so I've so said that And this is like, if you read through Leviticus This is the kind of stuff you get Okay, so you're looking at that And you think, thinking, well, now what does that mean? Well, that there is a basic amount Now this is for those who are followers of Jesus There is a basic amount That followers of God have been called to give Now if you grew up in the church We have a special name for that basic amount Y'all know what it is? The tithe Woo-hoo. Y'all grew up in church That's right, so it's called the tithe Okay, so a tithe is to be given to God. Uh, It is a tenth. They might say, What's that all about? You know, how did they come up with the idea of a tenth? Why, Why does God tell us that's what his people are supposed to give? Well, it's because it's representative of something. You see, whenever we give back to God, what we are doing is we are acknowledging that it's already God's, that everything that we have belongs to Him. We are acknowledging to God that we, as followers of God, that in this world we are stewards. You know, we, we are not owners. What we have belongs to Him, and He's called us to take care of what He's provided for us. If you go back to the book of Genesis, Genesis 1, 26 and 27, it says, God said, Let us make man in our image according to our likeness, And they will rule the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, the livestock, all the earth, and the creatures that crawl on the earth. And so God created man in his own image. He created him in the image of God. He created them male and female. So when God put Adam and Eve on this earth, he put them here in order to be stewards of what he had created. Now he did not put them here saying, all right, now you own it. I'm giving you the deed to the world. It is all yours. That's that's not what God did. Matter of fact, in Psalm 24, 1, it says, The earth and everything in it, the world and its inhabitants, belong to who? Belongs to the Lord. So we we are merely stewards here. We are not owners. Now, if you're a follower of Jesus, you should know this. Because we are told this, we are not of this world. I mean, Philippians 3, 20 tells us, Our citizenship is in heaven. And so a tithe is just simply it is a tangible way in we in which we acknowledge Lord I understand that I'm a steward. Lord I understand that everything I have belongs to you it is yours and so, so it's, when we talk about a tithe so if you've grown up in the church a tithe is not really that you are giving something to God it's already his and if we look at it that way it's, it, I, I view it sort of like this if If I allow you to borrow my car, and then you take my car out, and then you drive it around, and then you say, hey, I'm not giving it back, but if you ever need a ride occasionally, let me know. Do you think I'm going to respond very well to that? Uh, No. I'm going to say, no, that's my car. I'm allowing you to borrow it. Now, in a sense, that is the tithe. It is that God's allowing us to borrow what's his, and then eventually we are called to give it back. That's why we're told that if we do not give as believers, if we do not give to the Lord, the Bible says we rob God. Malachi 3.8 says, will a man rob God? Yet you are robbing me. And you say, well, how do we rob you? By not making the payments of the tenth and the contributions. So, so returning back a portion to God when we give, here's what I like about it. It is a tangible way in which me and my family demonstrate that everything belongs to God. And I think that's one of the greatest things about giving, to me. It's something that I physically, tangibly do. And yet, for a lot of us, it can be scary. Uh, I was trying to think of maybe an example of that. How many of y'all like roller coasters? Do any of y'all like roller coasters? Okay, I, I do. I love roller coasters. Now, what I've learned is when the kids got a little bit older, um, you know those little rides like the strawberry thing And you sit in it and you go in a circle like this Okay, you know, I was like, oh, y'all come on, we got on that thing And so I got that wheel and I'm spinning it as fast as I could I thought I was going to die I mean, I'm like laid up against the wall, I'm turning white But I, I can't do stuff like that, but I can do a roller coaster Now roller coasters are fun to me But I, you, you have to wonder, who ever thought of coming up with the idea of a roller coaster You know, let's make something that seems just totally reckless you know, where you're getting jerked left and right, you feel like your stomach's about to come through your throat, and right when you're about ready to throw up, you get off the ride. That'll be fun, won't it? And you know, and you sit there and you're, now the entire time you're safe, but it, man, it's quite a ride. Now to me, that is an example of giving to God. I mean, it, it can seem scary, you're getting jerked all over the place, you know, it's, it's a wild ride, but you're going to be safe because God is the one who made the ride. I mean, I think God's always, God knows what you need. He always provides. I mean, we're told this in Matthew 6, 30, Jesus said, if that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? And so when it comes to giving, there, there's some, just some things that we have to understand about giving. The, the very first thing to know about giving is this, it involves an amount, okay? So I just want to be real afraid it involves an amount starting point is 10%. But here's the second thing. The second thing giving requires is obedience. You know, if you're going to give, I mean, if you're really going to do it, it takes some obedience to do that. Now, look in, let's see, verse 32. It says, Every tenth animal from the herd or flock which passes under the shepherd's rod will be holy to the Lord. He is not to inspect whether it is good or bad, and he is not to make a substitution for it. But if he does make a substitution... Both the animal and its substitute will be holy. They cannot be redeemed. Like I said, Leviticus is a different book. And so, you know, I, I, didn't, I don't know about you all. I, I did not grow up in a shepherd's family. Did anybody here grow up in a shepherd's family? Don't raise your hand, because if you did, you know, then I'll have to call you up here. Um, so in, in our text, it says the, the animals would pass under the rod. It's like, what in the world is that about? Well, according to rabbinical tradition, the owner of animals he would gather his his flocks together, his lambs and his cattle, and he'd make a he'd make a doorway for them to walk through, and it was small it was small enough where only one animal could go through, not two. And then the shepherd would stand on the other side of that doorway, and he'd have his staff that had red paint on it, and every tenth animal he'd reach out and he'd mark it, and he marked said that one belongs to God. Another 10 come through. The 10th one, he'd mark it, that one belongs to God. Now, it was random. I mean, whatever came through, I mean, he couldn't look at one and go, Man, that one looks really good. I'm not going to give that one to God. I think I'll keep that for myself. He did not do that. I mean, he, every 10th one, because it's a tithe. It is, it's not a gift. It is something that already belongs to God. And so that's what he would do. He would mark the animal and say, that animal is set aside for God. Now, I'm not saying that was an easy thing to do but it was a calling, it was something that he was supposed to do. Now, I know when it comes to giving, sometimes I can look at giving like this. I don't have to do this, but because I'm a good guy, I'm going to give something. And I'm going to give, and that's going to be really pleasing to God. Now, when it comes to an offering, that is true, but when it comes to a tithe, that is not true. Now, it's, it's, tithing is not really generosity, it's, it's obedience, now you said, "Well, how, how did you figure that out?" Well, I didn't. Y'all, I'm not making this stuff up. This is what the Bible says in verse number thirty-two. If you look in verse thirty-two, it says those animals that pass under the rod are called holy. You know, you know, what holy means? It means set apart for God. As I said earlier, when we give this, we are simply giving back to what already belongs to God. And I said, "What does it matter if I do that or not?" Well, let me ask you this question. For those of you who are parents, what does it matter if your kids pay attention to what you say or not? Does that matter to you? You know, Does it matter to you if you tell your child to do something and he doesn't do it? Does that, does that matter to you? Yeah, if you say it really doesn't, you're lying. I guarantee you it matters to you. It matters to you because when your kids are obedient, it says a couple things. One, it says that what you say is important, that they respect you, that they honor you. Uh, but two, what it says is that even if they don't understand why you have certain rules, they are acknowledging, whether they recognize it or not, they are acknowledging that my mom and dad know what's best for me. and I don't understand it, but I'll do what they tell me to do. You know, I, me- I remember whenever I was a kid, I, y'all like, I like sweet stuff. And so, yeah, I, I think it would be great to start off every one of your meals with like, you know, chocolate pie. But my parents did not let that happen. And the thing I'm sure you're, y'all were just like my, your parents are like my parents. Hey, you can't do that. You're going to spoil your appetite. Y'all heard that before. And I'm sitting there thinking it's not going to spoil my appetite. I mean, I can eat I can eat that entire chocolate pie and I'll be fine. Now, now it would spoil my appetite if for eating the stuff that is good for me. And so my parents wanted me to have that, which was good for me. And and believe it or not, I was as I was growing up, I I, I did what they told me to do. One, because I, one, I respected them. Two, I did not want to get a spanking for my mom and dad. Now, this, the same thing is true with giving. We're, we're called to give sometimes, even whenever we don't understand exactly why. I mean, you know, it's, you know it's not, God, God's not calling us to give because he needs money. You know, God's not about broke. Psalm 112.3 says, Wealth and riches are in his house, and his righteousness endures forever. So part of obedience is is doing things whenever we don't completely understand it. And we do things because we love God. You know, Jesus said in John 14, 15, if you love me, you will keep my commands. You know, there's something very refreshing to me to know that I'm actually doing something that I know that is pleasing to somebody I love. You know, I love it whenever I do something You know, for my children that I know they like, and it's fun to watch them. Uh, It's, for me, whenever it comes to my relationship with my wife, if I actually, every once in a while, do something that she really likes, that's exciting to me. Finally, I did something right. Uh, But with God, when I do something that I know God has called me to do, there is something very refreshing to me, knowing I am doing something that God has called me to do. And when God calls me to do something and I do it, did you know God blesses? Did you know God blesses that? God God always blesses obedience. In Luke 6, 38, it says, Give, and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, it will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. So when we talk about giving, giving, first of all, it involves an amount. It requires obedience. And then here's the last thing. Giving is is a command, something that comes from God. Now, look with me in verse number uh, 34. It says, These are the commands the Lord gave Moses for the Israelites on Mount Sinai. Now, if you read through this chapter, one thing that you're going to notice is this chapter talks a whole lot about giving. And most people, you know, have a tendency to think that the offering portion of the worship service is something that was made up by preachers. Because we think, well, you know, of course he's going to take up an offering because, you know, that's how he gets paid. And so I'm just going to be up front with you and honest. That, that, the, that part of that is true. That is how that is how ministry, that is how the ministers of the church are supported. No doubt about that. It comes it comes from, from the tithes. But I want to say this. You know, I didn't invent this. Um, I did not make this up. It, it comes from God. As a matter of fact, our text, verse number 34 again, Giving, it says it is a command. The word command it means to give an order, to instruct. It comes from God. God commands it. Now, when I'm given a command, I've been given a whole lot of commands by a whole lot of different people. I've been, I man, there's a, I mean, there's a lot of people that just, they, 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 uh, growing up all through life, command, command, command. Uh, when I was a kid, I have an older sister. She gave me a whole lot of commands. Now, how many of, you think, how many of, how many of those do you think I actually followed? Now, now, following a command, it all depends on who is the one giving the command before you decide you're going to follow it. Now, when we see the command to give, who is the one that gave the command to give? Verse 34, the Lord. It comes from God. Now, I said this at the beginning. The book of, of Leviticus, it is a manual or a how-to guide, for the priesthood, on, on how, to, how to perform their duties in the tabernacle, how to lead the people in following God. And it's here in verse number 34 that we see the tithing becomes a part of the Mosaic law. Now, you could be thinking, I don't live under the law. Right? If you're a Christian, we, we don't live under the law. We live under grace. Amen? Right? We live under grace. We're told this, Galatians two sixteen. No one is justified by the works of the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ. And we have believed in Christ Jesus so that we may be justified by faith in Christ and not by the works of the law. Because by the works of the law, no human will ever be justified. Y'all, I am so grateful that God is not going to judge me according to the way I follow the law. You know why? I do not do very well with that. I can look at the law and I can tell you I have broken the law. James 2:10 says if I just break one point of the law, I am guilty of breaking it all. So I'm right there with you. Thank the Lord I do not live under the law because if we y'all if I if we live under the law, we're just going to be one big smoking heap here. We live under grace. But just because we live under grace does not mean that we ignore God's commands. Jesus said in John 14, 15, if you love me, you will keep my commands. Now, I don't follow the commands of Jesus because I'm afraid my superior officer is going to knock me upside the head. I follow his commands because I believe he has the best in mind for me. And I'm going to trust him. One One of my favorite preachers is chuck swindoll uh if you ever have a I i just like i think he's funny um and he's he's fun to listen to he's very biblical but he was talking about a time when he got to interview general charles duke um who was on the apollo 16 mission that went to the moon and he was talking to him he said as i was talking to him i asked him i said charles when you went to the moon he said i mean was there ever a time when you could just like relax and do whatever it is you wanted to do you know, like maybe run a couple of your own experiments or just sort of, you know, tool around and go to a different place on your own. He said, yeah, I, I could do that if I wanted to die. And, and, so, and he's like, well, I mean, what do you mean? He said, well, he said, we had instructions that we had to follow. He said, because to launch us off of the moon back to earth, he said, I had to follow the instructions exactly so that we would have 60 seconds worth of fuel to get us off the moon. He said, if I didn't follow the instructions, he said, I only had 60 seconds to play with. And he said, I wanted to make sure that I got back home. Now, when God gives us instructions, y'all, there's a reason for it. He wants us to get back home. He wants us to have life. And here's the thing that's really neat to me. Giving is a tangible way that I express that I believe in God and that I trust him when I give it as an acknowledgement for me and my family that we are saying God we recognize everything is yours we are just merely stewards of what we have Okay, so this section of scripture when I look at it it talks about giving But what God calls us to do. If we give, here's here's what it involves. It involves an amount, requires obedience, and it is a command. Now, I have been tithing and, and giving an offering to God since I was a kid because that's what my parents taught me to do. And as I've gotten older, Emily and I, we give to the Lord. And here's one of the really neat things about it. When we have given to the Lord, we have learned this. God always takes care of us. God always provides for us. We have always been blessed through our giving. Okay, so you, how do you wrap this one up? We're not passing the offering plate again. So I just want to share this with you. Village church. Some of you that are part of this church, you say, "You know what? I' have never really given before. Here's my challenge for you. Do it. Do it and, and see what happens. Now I can't force you I't force you to do anything but I just want to tell you what scripture says and here's what I believe if you do it here's what you will see happen you will discover that God is faithful and it's so much easier for us to be generous when we know that God's faithful and so that's my challenge to you so as we go through the next couple of weeks we're going to talk about generosity i wanted to tackle the the toughest one first the toughest one for most people first but y'all It might be tough, but it's a blessing, and I hope you'll discover that.